Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew 13 verse 1, it says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such loud, uh, loud, <laughs> loud and large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, at this point in Jesus' ministry, there was a lot of hostility going on between Jesus and and the rulers of the day, and and especially the religious rulers and the Roman rulers. They were kind of keeping an eye on them. Uh, But really, the religious rulers, I mean, the miracles were really cool. They loved that. But he said some things that were pretty controversial. So we have to look at our past. Who was controversial, you know, just in in our American history and and so forth? I mean, look at somebody like Abraham Lincoln. We all look back and go, oh, Lincoln, wow, he did wonderful. During his presidency, he was controversial, the decisions he made during the Civil War and so forth. And, And this next person, I am not comparing to Jesus or God or anybody else, but Hitler was very controversial. We don't understand how controversial it was. We can read it in history books, but for those that were a little closer to that time, they understand. At first, it was kind of like, well, who is this Hitler guy? And it, and it got to be very controversial. Well, for Jesus, it was the same way, except for Jesus had one thing going for him. He was God. He had the truth on his side versus just some controversial subject. So, we, you know, he was very, very controversial. Even today, he is still controversial. Now, what he's been saying is, uh, you know, also been creating controversy between different groups, different hostility between different groups, and especially the religious leaders who saw him as someone who was not only rocking the boat, but he was completely flipping it over and sinking the boat when it came to religion, and they did not like that at all. So they saw themselves as religious protectors, and if you've ever had somebody come up against what you believe, what do you do? I mean, you rear up. I mean, you're just like, no. I mean, you kind of, you know, you kind of, you know, become manly, if you want to call it that. I mean, you, you just, you're ready to fight about that. And that's how they were. And they confronted him straight on. 
Because Jesus, because he understood his time frame, sometimes he confronted straight back, Sometimes he just kind of said something and then walked away. Sometimes he went out to the wilderness or, or changed direction on where he was teaching. He, went, he got out of the crowds, went out into the country. He, he did all sorts of things because he knew that his timing needed to be perfect, needed to be with, within God's plan. And, and, you know, sometimes he would go toward the supported people and sometimes he would go toward the hostile people. But he also starts to teach in parables at this time. And we went over parables last week. The reasons for the parables, what the parables mean. And, and really, the main reason was to, you know, to, uh, to separate people from those who were really listening, those who were really wanting to understand what he was teaching, versus those who just were uh, critics. And, and you understand, we, we all have critics, right? Uh, you, don't you love to be around your critics? Yeah, you know, so he started confusing them by teaching in parables. But it also confuses those who are in charge because he's not directly going up against them in parables. He's not confronting. He's just telling stories, and they're kind of scratching their head. They don't quite get it or understand what he's teaching. So Jesus starts to teach about this farmer. And his farmer is out throwing seed on his farm. He's just walking. You know, we don't have, you go to the farm show, you see all this huge plows. And we were telling, you know, uh, Brandon, this plow actually digs down into the ground. And this one actually uh, does this. And this, you know, we're kind of teaching Brandon that. Well, they didn't have all those wonderful plows back then. Uh, they, you know, they have a mule. And sometimes that mule would walk straight. Sometimes he wouldn't. So a farmer, a lot of times, wouldn't go along and, and plant one seed here and then walk another foot and plant another seed there. That's not how it was. They threw out the seed. So they're walking along, and, and a farmer's just throwing out the seed. He's having a good day, plenty of seed. He's even wasteful in the way he's throwing it. And the seed ends up on four different types of soil. And Jesus explains this parable to his disciples in verse 19. Because even they didn't get it. So he goes on, or actually verse 18, he says, Listen then to what the parables of the sower mean. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. Now the path is either a road or a path through a field, or any kind of compacted thing that you walk on. Um, you know, there's lots of paths going through the fields, because if you're going out there to work in your field, you don't walk through the, the, the wheat that's growing there. You don't walk through the corn that's growing. You know, you, you walk along the paths, right? Because you don't want to destroy your crops. So there's paths all over the place. So the farmer, he doesn't have time to make sure the seed's not on the path. When he plants, he just goes out there and he's just throwing it. And some land on the path and it's snatched up. And he goes on and says in verse 20, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no roots, he lasted only a short time. When, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So we have the hard path. And I actually skipped to the, to the next, we'll go back to the hard path in a second, but I actually skipped to the next part right here, which is the shallow soil. And the shallow soil, there's not much there. 
The plant, you know, a little water comes and the plant goes, hey, I'm growing. It gets the, the roots kind of go down and it maybe go down a couple of inches, maybe three or four inches or whatever. And all of a sudden it hits a compacted area underneath it. And the, and the roots do what? Instead of going down, they start spreading out. So their, their, their soil is very shallow. And, you know, a lot of hard things uh, from, the, from, you know, from this prevent the roots getting deeper. And this, it doesn't develop roots. And without roots, what happens? Well, tough times come along. It doesn't grow anymore. It withers and dies. And then Jesus talks about the third soil. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. This soil grows anything. This is good soil. Man, seed lands there. I mean, it, it grows. But the problem is, it's amongst all the weeds. And the plant never does any good because he's crowded out by the weeds. And then there's the fourth soil. But the one who received the soil and fell on good, uh, the, the, received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. I mean, this is really good. But think about it. Only one-fourth of the land, only 25% of the seed that this man throws out produces anything. Wow. But the thing is, it produces a huge crop. Think of it like an ear of corn. Has anyone ever counted the kernels on the ear of corn. Anybody else like that, like me? You know, they're not all the same size, but an ear of corn has, well, any, anybody want to guess? How many kernels do you think is on an ear of corn? Just throw it out. 200, 150? 78, I like that one. You're not anywhere near. The average corn has 800 kernels on it. Now, that's average. You have some corn that's small, some corn that, you know. That's amazing, isn't it? That's good soil. It produces an abundance. One kernel of corn, you know, will grow up. As it grows the plant, it will produce two stalks. Two, no, wait. One stalk, two ears of corn. Now, if you ever go with me to the... Um, uh, to the corn maze, I have all these corny jokes um, that go along with it, so look forward to that if we ever go. Um, I love the corny jokes. But a typical cor- you know, ear of corn has 800 on there. Well, let's go back and look at these soils one other time. Let's talk about the hard soil. Some of the seed falls on the pathway. For years, the pathway has been walked on, it's been hardened, it's been trampled by foot, uh, equipment, animals, and it's been dry for a long time. Um, You know, we all get this, right? We've all been on a hard path. (laughs) Sometimes in life and sometimes literally on a hard path. You know what I'm saying? But let's translate this from soils to our souls. See, the hard path is a person that many of us know. They've been trampled on for years. Life has got them down because, man, life has been hard for a while. 
So whether Jesus comes you know, to directly to them or he uses the farmer to throw out the seed, when the seed lands on that person, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the things of God, when it lands on that hard path worn person, what happens to it? It sits there and just sits there. It doesn't go deep. And the birds show up. Well, who are the birds? Well, the birds is the world, the de- you know, the things of the devil. And Jesus even talks about that, you know, the devil comes in and before the seed can do anything, he steals it away. He knows that the seed, the power of God, he knows the power that's there, but he takes it away before it can sink into the person. The seed might, you know, bear fruit, so he doesn't want to leave it there. And the devil shows up and he changes the subject. You know what I'm talking about. Finally, something gets to you. You're a hard person, and finally something gets to you. And what the devil does is he comes along and he changes the subject on it and gets you to focus on something else. And so you can remain hard. You might have seen this. He'll remind a person, man, Christians are hypocrites. Let me, let me remind you why you hate Christians. You see what I'm saying? Because of their hardened defense mechanism, uh, mechanism in them, you know, it, it may be their own fault that they're that hard, but it may be that other people have caused this hardness in their heart because of, of what's happened in life or how they've been treated. I mean, heaven forbid that church people treat each other so much that we actually harden somebody in the church. Unfortunately, I think we do that. It's sad. Or maybe life just happened to them. But it's interesting. Jesus doesn't focus on whose fault it is. See, this is the difference between him and us. Instead of looking you know, for the solution, we want to know whose fault it is. You know, some of us, uh, you know, we want to know what we can do to, to solve the problem. No, 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 no. Actually, we want to know who to blame the problem on, right? I mean, just look at our Congress and you understand. Well, if they would have, whatever. But Jesus is like, okay, well, where do we go from here? What do we do now? This person is now a hardened path. Doesn't talk about how the path was chosen. Doesn't talk about who walked there first. What type of things might have been dragged or driven on or, or uh, you know, done to that path. In fact, he uses the word understand. And the Greek meaning to the word is to bring t- uh, together, like connecting the dots. See, the hard person doesn't connect the dots spiritually. You see what I'm saying? The dots may be there, but he doesn't connect them at all. They don't understand that this event or this truth equals this conclusion. They're, not, they're out there basically not connecting the dots, and therefore they're not happy in the state that they're in. The one who says things like, well, doesn't really matter. I'll see you in hell anyway. How many times have you heard that? Oh, you know, the walls of the church would just fall down if I walked into it. It's sad. This is not a new concept. Through years of maybe being raised with, you know, religious apathy or religious abuse or, or maybe not even religious at all, 
They just like new ideas or concepts. They don't like the old things. The last thing they want is a Christian to come and talk to them. There may be even some wind in their life that just blows the seed off of them because they're so hard. But Jesus says what? We keep throwing the seed. See, this is important. We need to keep throwing the seed. We need to be careful not to go, oh, I don't want to throw any seed over there. No, we need to keep throwing the seed out to those hard people. I mean, some people are like, hey, I can load the seed up into a paintball gun. I can get it through that hard, you know, that hard soil. <laughs> no, I won't go there. You know, we could be that person. Well, pastor, I'm going to go out witnessing. Click, click. That might not be the way to do it. So in order to, to bear fruit on this hard thing, several things need to happen. You're going to have to soak the road with water, right? The hard path with water. When, I, when we first moved into our house, I mean, a farmland, you're thinking, great, everything's going to grow there. Man, you want to talk about tough digging a hole for, to, to put a palm tree in? And I day, uh, dug like eight of those things. I'm like, let me water it. I'll just fill up part of the hole with water. I'll come back tomorrow. Fill it up again. I'll come back the next day. I mean, just over and over, just slicing parts of it. You have to dig up the soil sometimes. You have to water it. Others come along and say, dude, man, you're, you're making a mess there. I like that path. What are you doing? See, we have to work smart. We have to water the hardened ground, sometimes for a long time. As Christians, we need to soak people with love. What do we soak them with? Love, grace, forgiveness, mercy. What do we need to soak people with? Well, it's the opposite of what we don't want to soak them with, which is judgment, condemnation, preachy things. Well, let me tell you. This is what you need to do. You know, get that old Southern Baptist preacher going. Hit people. You know, I love the youth. I always joke around. If I have my Bible in my hand, I'll just knock them upside the head. And I'll go, sometimes you've got to be knocked upside the head with the Bible, with the Word of God. You know, coming from the South, that's how it was. It felt like it was sometimes. You know, somebody came within re- you know, reach, you just whack. Well, let me tell you what verse goes with that. You know, and it's like there is no love there. There is no mercy. There is no grace there. Man, don't go there because the devil is good at changing the subjects. You know, some people come up to you as as a Christian and they'll just say, what do you think about this controversial subject that, that I have that I want to put before you? What do you think about this? And basically what they're doing is, I have a preconceived notion of what you are and I know what answer you're going to give me so I can fight with you about it. Just don't answer the question. They're going to put you in a corner. Don't do that. Because the devil is good about changing the subject. You know, don't participate in that. Say, you know what? I don't want to talk about that right now. How about we talk about this? And you change the subject. You know, but other times as Christians, we like to gear up for that fight. Let me give you an illustration on this. When I was in college, 
I was an athletic trainer for, for, uh, for University of Houston. We took care of injured athletes. Uh, we were, uh, when I say I worked 70 hours a week, I'm not joking. In the training room, we, were, we did morning uh, treatments. We went to three hours of, of classes each day, and then we came back to the training room. We had to be there before the players were there. We had to be there through practice. We had to be there after the players were there. I'm not joking. We, and then we had weekend games that, that were like 14, 16-hour days because our football games, because we ran run and shoot, we, for those football fans that, that love that kind of, a lot of passing. So our games were like four to five hours long, not your typical three, two-and-a-half-hour football game. So we did a lot of work together. Well, our head trainer... He'd been at the university for 40 years. He was born in 1925, and he lived through the Depression era. When World War II started, he was a young man of 16 years old. Well, that spring after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, you know, all of a sudden people started signing up for the war. We went to war, right? A lot of people, you know, volunteering. A lot of good men volunteering. Well, several of the doctors of the town volunteered to go to war. So they got all these newbies in. Well, he broke his leg in spring practice that year. Well, the new doctor put a cast on his leg. They put the cast a little too tight. Gangrene set in. They cut it off several times until it got right below the knee. He had a little stub. He, he wore a prosthesis. But, I mean, he didn't... He wasn't a man to just sit there and... I mean, he was a tough old man. I mean, he, he went on to East Texas Golden Glove Boxer... He rode bulls all the way through college and, and, and beyond. I mean, he was a tough old man. But he lost friends during that war, and he blamed it on the Japanese. Well, in 1991, we went to Japan for a football game, University of Houston against Arizona State. You know what, you know what he did? He checked into the hotel we were staying at. He stayed in his room came out and eat, he'd go back to his room. He had to go. There was no choice. Went to practice, came back and eat, went to his room. I mean, we're riding the subways. We're going all over the place in Tokyo. We're having a blast. He couldn't stand the Japanese people. He hated them. He lost friends. He lost his leg because of it. He hated the Japanese. He never forgave them. Now, let's contrast that with a friend of mine. A friend of mine, his, his grandfather was, was in World War II. Many awful things happened to him. He saw many awful things. He was in a prison camp for a while. He also hated the Japanese people. Well, older as he got older, a few years ago, he got sick. And he couldn't take care of his yard. His wife had a hard time taking care of him. But he didn't want to go to a nursing home. He wanted to stay home as long as possible. because That's what we all want, right? So this family across the street started noticing this. And they had never had a conversation with this man because the look on his face said it all. Don't even come over here. I don't care if you bought the house across the street. I don't want to talk to you because you're Japanese. I hate you. But while he was sick, they just started showing up in his yard taking care of little things. Started mowing the lawn. Next thing you know, they're planting flowers and doing all these things. And months go by. Not a word was said between, I'm not joking, not a word was said between the family and him. No. They just started doing it. Mowing his lawn, taking care. Eventually, they started bringing over food. 
and mom couldn't, you know, his wife couldn't take care of him every day. So, so literally, they ended up providing every meal that this, this man and woman ate over time. And what they did was surrounded this family with Christian love because they were Christians. They could have been like, well, it wasn't my fault. I wasn't even alive when that happened. I, Japan, I mean, wars happen. I wasn't alive. It wasn't my fault. But instead, they took the other tack of, I'm a Christian. How can I help you out? Christian love goes a long, long way. After all the awful things that this man had seen, it was counteracted by love and grace and mercy through time by their next door neighbor. Isn't that awesome? See, this is what I'm talking about. People are hardened for a reason. I couldn't blame anybody coming out of World War II. I couldn't blame them for, for the attitudes toward Germans. I couldn't blame them for the attitudes toward uh, the Japanese. I couldn't blame them. I mean, imagine that. I mean, we look at Saddam Hussein, and, and, or we look at Osama bin Laden, and, and I mean, we, we, I see pictures of 9-11. I mean, it just, oh, you know. I mean, how could we allow that to happen, you know? So I can understand that but it was counteracted through this love and mercy. See, if we're truly going to see the spiritual fruit in their life, we've got to come through and soak with water. Well, water's not the only thing that needs to happen, is it? The ground has to be broken up. It needs to be plowed, and we need to be careful how we plow it. Because that's God's job, not ours. I mean, I can come in and I can, I can plow pretty good. I can destroy things pretty good. But am I doing it through God? Sometimes God wants us to do the plowing. But it's His job to instruct us to do that. We just don't do it because we see it. Because the Lord wants to rescue them. The Lord knows how to do His work. He knows how much soil needs to be, needs to be broken up. See, the, you know, the Lord doesn't break the soil to be cruel or to be mean. He does it so the soil can bear fruit. See, sometimes a farmer will plow a field several times before planting it. You know, after the Lord breaks the ground, he may need to fertilize it. And we're like, man, Lord, that, that stinks. I don't like that fertilizer. We got the fields next to us uh, where we live and... After they take the corn out, they put fertilizer down. You can always tell what season that is. You, you walk out, you go, yep, fertilizer's going down today. Man, that stinks. See, we may question the farmer through the whole process, but then he plants the seed, and he covers it up. And you know what he expects us to do? To protect it. Put up a fence, put up a sign saying, you know, seed just planted, stay off grass. Because he's doing the long-term soul healing. See, Jesus is talking about our souls. He's not talking about the soil. He's talking about our hardened soul. What is the seed? The seed's the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. 
the things of God. That's the seed. Who is the sower here? Jesus is the sower. Sometimes we throw out seed and it doesn't bear fruit. Sometimes Jesus uses us as a sower. But as Christians, we have to remember, we're not responsible for the clothes. That's the Holy Spirit's job. If, as Christians, we feel like we're, we're totally responsible for the closing thing. That's why we've been so hard, uh, you know, as, as the Christian church as a whole across the nation, across the world. So, you know, got to do that altar call, got to push people. You know, I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s where, you know, you had the crusades come through and it was just a hard push. How many people can we have get saved for the Lord? And it's that push. But, but we got it backwards a little bit. That's the Lord's job to pull them in. We offered the opportunity, but it's the Lord's job to do that. He has to close the deal. To be honest with you, we need poor salespeople. Because the product needs to sell itself. Jesus sells itself. When we get in the middle of it, oftentimes we mess it up, right? Because people see it. Well, that's a Christian. (laughs) No. If that's how a Christian acts... I tell you, there's been times where I've gone through difficulty and I've been like, after I get through the difficulty, I'm like, ooh, okay, I, I made it through that one. I, I, I handled that pretty good. There's been other times I go through difficulty and I don't handle it so well. I get through it and I go, man, that was not Christ-like at all. We have to be poor salespeople sometimes because what we have is free for everyone. And depending on which soil they are, it will affect them differently. Because everybody is different. It's our job to keep throwing out the seed, and there's plenty of it. So don't worry about wasting it. It's the same with grace and mercy and water. I mean, we're, we're getting into a water shortage. Well, we're not getting into it. We are in a water shortage in California. My son, is he's brushing his teeth, I'm already trying to teach him. No, you're wasting the water. Shut, shut it off. But Daddy, I'm like, shut it off. And he shuts it off. And then he reminds me anytime I run water, don't waste it. Like, ugh. Okay, I taught him that. But see, God doesn't have a grace shortage. God doesn't have a mercy shortage. God doesn't have a soul shortage. You know, you see what I'm saying? His spirit is not in shortage. There's no shortage there. So just overwater things when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and the Lord will bring increase. Well, we probably ought to move on from talking about the hard soil because I can keep going well one other thing it can change hard soil can change some of you have even been the hard soil at one time and now you're sitting there going the Lord has done work in me and I'm actually producing fruit in this world. There is hope for those who are hard-headed. There's hope for those who are hard-souled. There's hope for those who have been downtrodden on the path. Don't ever give up on them. Matthew 13, 20, it says, The one who received this, uh, the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, 
he quickly falls away. This is a person who instantly responds with enthusiasm to everything and anything that crosses their path. I mean, you just even mention one thing, they're on board before they even hear you finish. You know, the interrupter. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. They're just excited about it. They love to do that. This is a person who orders exercise tapes and never watches them. This is a person who always intends to start to diet but never does. Good intentions are there. The shallow soil person has great intentions and they actually do have some fertile ground there. The problem is there's so much clutter in their life, so much clutter in their mind, so many things that they're better better at starting something than finishing something. And their lives reflect this. Their walk with God is the same. Starts out great. Every year I'm going to read that Bible. Every year I'm going to start that, you know, I'm going to to read the Bible in 90 days. I'm going to read the Bible in one year. Okay, I'm going to read the Bible in 10 years. I'm going to start. But they don't really start because life becomes cluttered. The shallow soil person has got to do more than just attend somewhere and sit down. They have got to enter in and become accountable on some level. Whether it's talking with God more, reading the Word more, being discipled by, by some, you know, an older Christian that's gone down that path before them. See, you may not even know you're a shallowed soil person. And you're sitting there going, don't call me shallow. But your roots haven't gone down that far. See, here's what happens. When the roots don't go down that far, the hurricane hits. You know, I'm from Texas. We had hurricanes. Beautiful trees flop right over. Why? Well, the wind was high because their roots weren't that deep, and the tree just goes flop right into a house or takes out the fence. They just fall over. They haven't put down roots. Dry time comes along. They don't have you know, deep roots to, to get fed. And I don't, did I put those? I don't know if I, oh, I had some pictures and I didn't put them in there. They just dry up because there's dry times. In California, we're going to see this. People are going to stop watering. I think Tulare County has stopped watering the county parks or something like that. Or one of the counties has Fresno County or something like that. You, what is it going to do? It's going to turn brown. Because the roots aren't deep. They can't get the water. We have to learn how to go deep. Because in hard times, when our lives, you know, when it comes in our lives, during those times, we have to learn how to weather the storm. And sometimes that's doing it by ourselves. And sometimes that's holding on uh, together with somebody. That means strapping on with each other, you know, just holding on for dear life when the storm comes. Because there's times in our life when our purpose in life is just to survive. Have you ever been there? Where it's just like, I just have to survive. I just have to get through this. Survive. That's it. Survive. I'm telling you, if you don't put down spiritual roots, you are not going to spiritually survive that time when the storm really hits. Your heart will look like the dust bowl in the 1930s. 
I mean, you've seen pictures. Just look up Dust Bowl on the, uh, you know, on the web. And what you, I mean, you'll just see pictures that are amazing. And 50, 60, 70, 80 foot you know, high, just wall of dirt just flying in town, just overwhelming everything. And you'll see croplands where you got the rows going, you got the rows of crops, and they, they're, they're popped up, but they're all just dry and wilted over because their roots weren't deep. There was no water to water them. This is why we got to build deeper relationships within the church because when the storm hits, you'll have protection if we rely on each other because we need it. Because when the wind blows, you need to hang on to each other. Building roots with, with deeper relationships. Or putting down roots uh, through that nutrition of the word, you start to grow. So your relationship in the Lord is you know, secure. When, when life really hits, I'm, I'm dealing with a family right now that some, some major things have happened in their, their extended family. And, and this person's just going, we, we don't understand it at all. We don't understand the evilness that's in this world. And, and, and it's hard, but we're relying on God because the roots are deep enough. But what could happen is the family just totally destroyed because their roots weren't deep enough into the Lord. That's why it's important. The healthy plant doesn't depend on the daily weather guide depends on seasons it's important for us not to be perennials now the apostle paul talks about this in colossians 2 6 he says just as you've received christ jesus as the lord continue to live in him rooted and being uh, rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness so a person says i've accepted christ therefore i'm a christian Okay, I have no problem with that. You accept, I mean, the Word of God says that if you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, uh, Lord and Savior, you are a Christian and you will be in heaven with me. Praise the Lord. Thank God. Hallelujah. No problem with that. But what happens? What happens if the roots aren't that deep? I was even baptized, as my son says, super duper. Yeah, great. But what's going to sustain your root system is invisible stuff that other people don't see. You see, no one's going uh, no to know on the outside that you haven't been doing devotions. No one on the outside is going to know that you're not into the Word of God or you haven't been talking with God. No one's going to know that you haven't spent time with Him until the storm hits. And when the storm hits, you get toppled over and your roots are exposed. People start to see because they sit there and they watch you wither. See, the good news is there were some sitting here in this room at one time. We were the rootless ones. But you've learned how to tap your root. You've learned how to go deeper. It takes time to put down good roots. A fruit tree takes several years produce, before it produces good fruit, right? During that time, the farmer may come along and, and prune some branches. He may come along and, and cut a few things off, and you're like, ow, that, that hurt. I really like that branch. I mean, it was, the symmetry on that branch was just perfect. Well, it was the wrong fruit. Or maybe it was too soon for you to have fruit that big because it was going to pull you over. 
You've got a peach tree. You have to go out and pull, uh, they call it coal, C-U-L-L, I think. You've got to cull the fruit. But if you get too many pieces of fruit on that branch, what happens? The branch just goes down and it breaks off. You've got to go out there and go, okay, how many is the perfect number of pieces of fruit on this branch for the size it is? That's what God does with us. Why are you taking that away from me, Lord? Because sometimes less is more. Just ask a mom who has a kid. Sometimes less toys are better than too many toys. I mean, I got a kid that if, if we put too many toys in his bed, he will not go to sleep, which was the case last night. 11.30, he was still awake. He was excited about his Lego thing, I know. Shouldn't have let him take it to bed. But if you put too many toys in one room, a kid will just, you know, some kids, not all kids, will, will just go from one toy to another, to another, to another, to another, and, and they never stick with one thing. They don't learn a stick to thing, you know? Or maybe you're the tree that has all these other things planted around your tree, and you're just like, I just love the color of all those flowers. And then the Lord comes along and starts, you know, pulling things out around your roots, and, and he's like, you know, every bit of this, this area is for you. You need the tr- nutrition. You need the water, not all these other things. All that other stuff is just distracting you as a Christian. I mean, are you with me on this at all, or am I can totally confused you? Because this week... As I've studied this, I've kind of reflected on my life, and, and, and I was like, wow, I've done all these things, and God is saying, saying, you know, let me be the farmer, let me be the gardener in your life, and eventually I will teach you to help me garden in someone else's life. There's some things that I've done I've been proud of, and there's other things that I've done that was a total waste of time because I wasn't doing them in the Lord. Paul goes on and says, or in Ephesians, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you and power, and power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. See, the soil that God is growing in my life and the roots that God is growing in my life is through his love. It's unconditional, it's unfailing, it's eternal love. Therefore, I'm going to be okay. Because I don't always love myself. And I've also learned over the years, people don't always love me. And that's okay. But God never changes how he feels about me. And unfortunately, our view of God a lot of times is associated in our view of whatever type of father we had and whether we even had a father. Maybe we had a good father. But our view of our father in heaven a lot of times is coupled with that view. And that needs to change sometimes because God never changes how he feels about me in his love. I can bring up my past because in many of our lives, the hard things are buried right under our surface. And the Lord comes in and starts breaking up the soil. And he tosses out the rocks. And he uses things that that were there to allow my, you know, he clears things out so allow my roots to go deeper. 
And even some of those things that he puts and mixes into me may stink for a while, but eventually it helps my root because he uses it for good. You know, Mark and I were talking this morning, and he said, he, you know, you go to the farm show, and there's a lot of cool things, and, and this year the big thing was, you know, the, the little, um, oh, what do you call them, the little, Mark, what was it, the, the drones, you know, you know all you hear on the news is drones, drones, drones. So the thing that I actually saw on the news the other day was the, the, the thing that won the prize for the most innovation was the drones so that you could kind of look at the crops and all that. But Mark said he found something very interesting. It was a, it was a seed of a, oh, and I, I should have wrote this down. This is what happens when I don't write it down. It was a particular plant that actually grew down in hard soil four feet down. And when it got done, you just let it die. Because as it went down, it broke up that hard soil. Then you could come through and you could plow it with you know, a lot more ease than what you could any other way. That's the Spirit of God sometimes. You have to allow something to grow down deep, and the Lord says, okay, that's enough, let's let that die. We're like, but I really like that. I finally had roots. And the Lord's going, yeah, but it's going to break up that hardness in the rest of your life. In Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. You know, there's three different things there. First, he was walking along. And then he started standing still where he shouldn't have been. Next thing you know, he's sitting down where he shouldn't be. I mean, look at that progression. You're just walking along. Blessed a man who doesn't walk in the way, or walk in the counsel of the wicked, and then, you know, blessed is a man who doesn't stop and stand in, in the way of sinners. Or blessed is a man who doesn't, you know, finally get tired enough, you just plop down and you're in the seat of mockers. What is the seat of mockers? Well, that's the person that sits back and criticizes everybody else because they don't want to think about themselves. Man, you got to love mockers, right? You got to love it when we're mockers. Man. Verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. Wow, we thought meditation was only for the world, right? Um, cross the legs, do something. Man, that's what the world does. We need to meditate on the things of God. And we'll start to understand it. Verse 3, it says, He is like the, uh, like the tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. See, that's what God is interested in. He's interested in us prospering spiritually, that we would flourish spiritually. See, maybe you don't have that image of God, but you need to have that image of God. He is interested in seeing you flourish spiritually. He wants you to take steps of faith in your life, knowing that if you stay near the water, that your roots will grow deep, that you will bear amazing fruits, it, more fruit than anyone could ever imagine. Man, I can't believe that. You know, I told you about a, a family, a friend of ours that went to the other church, and I mean, they're running the counseling for, for married people at that church, and, and 20 years ago, when we first arrived in California, you would, have, you would have been like, there's no way they would ever run that ministry. Because you should have seen their marriage. And now they're bearing fruit that's flourishing because of God. Man. Because at one time, maybe you were hard soil. Then you became the rocky soil. 
where weeds kind of grow up, but now maybe you're the fertile soil. See, that's the goal is the fertile soil, and that's what the Lord will do in your life if you allow him to be the farmer. And I'm wrapping up here, guys. Don't worry, because this is where we're going to pick up next week. If you want to go deeper, if you want to do a little homework, Jesus is going to talk about the, the, you know, the, the, the other soil and the, the choking weeds. He's going to tell us what those weeds are in our life. And Jesus gives them specific names. And Matthew tells us that they're the care of the world and the cares and anxiety of the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, the lies of money. Luke actually adds one that it's the pursuit of pleasure. We don't have a problem with that in today's world, do we? No, I didn't think so. And the goal is, you know, as if that was the goal instead of the body. You know, I mean, it's just a triad of weeds in a sense that he's going to talk about next week, and then we'll get to the good soil. So let's pray as the worship team comes up, and, and uh, um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, we just, we just come to you, and we, as we just introspectively look into our own lives, we have to determine what type of soil we are and where do we want to go. We all want to be the fertile soil. But maybe we're the hard soil that, that needs you to come in and help break up some of that. And it may take time. And I pray, Lord, that we allow that to happen. Maybe the, we're the soil that uh, we're shallow, Lord. And we know we need to go deeper. And we pray that you give us the, the spirit to, to just stick to it. Whatever our soil is, Lord, we pray that we start to understand that you need to be the farmer. You need to be the one that changes our lives to know when to plant, to know when to harvest, know when to to water, know when to do those things in our own life. And I pray that we're receptive of that. We're not the hard soil that, that just the water rolls right off. But if we are, Lord, we pray that you soak us until you can break us up. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he be the farmer in your life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.